broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia. It's time for Business Writers Radio. Now, here are your hosts. Welcome to Business Writers Radio. This is Stone Payton with my good buddy, Lee Cantor. How are you doing, buddy? I am doing great. How about you? I am doing well. This is going to be a fantastic segment. A little bit later in the program, we're going to get a chance to visit with the author's midwife from Write Your Life, Miss Anita Henderson. But we have in the studio with us from Business Writers Exchange who underwrite this program and uh, make it possible for us to use this platform to serve the business writers community. Please join me in welcoming back to the studio, Dr. Jack Phillips. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing great. It's good to be here again. Uh, last week, we kicked off with the first episode. Then we had the mixer following it. Now you're back again. Yes. Can't get enough, huh? Yeah, can't get enough. <laughs> Keep coming back. Today, we're going to talk about the, uh, I guess, the beginning parts of writing a book. I thought maybe you can share some of your insight on how a person d- goes from having an idea to actually having a book. Okay, yes. So we just want to get some things started and get some tips. You see, last week it was perfect because we had two best-selling authors who developed a book that was successful, and they built a successful business around that book. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're trying to do, is to write a book that would be sparking your business to start a business, or write a book that's going to help your business. And so they laid it out and showed how it worked. So those are good role models to start with. So we want to kind of step back from time to time uh, as Patty and I, my uh, co-founder of this organization, uh, Patty and I will talk about how things are done, maybe some more tips. But let's think about the idea, for example. And then how do you get the idea? Yes. See, person usually comes to a book in the business category because they have experience. So we like to think about the intersection of experience. I have experience with this. I also am quite good at this. I have expertise. A, and I have a passion about this. So if we could look at three circles, if you can imagine, of, ex- of experience and expertise and passion, and where they intersect is that great idea, because you know something, you've experienced it, and you got that passion that you're going to need. So that gets us into some possibilities. So we start from there, but then we got to go to, is it something someone would buy? That's right. Is there a market for it? How do you even know if there is a market just because, you know, you and your spouse think it's a good idea? Well, yeah. it's a question I think maybe a lot of people don't ask all the time. They, and they need to, you need to hold your feet to the fire and ask that question. Right. You? you know, sometimes we think if we, if we build it, they will come. Or if I write it, they will buy. Not necessarily. Because business books, about 13,000 now are published a year. 13,000 books, so like over a 1,000 a month. Oh, yeah. But (laughs) Business Week says the vast, vast, vast majority of them are total failures by any measure you could think of. So that's the problem. They failed. And so we we have to look at the market here. And there's two things to look at. First, who will buy the the book and try to understand who they are and how many they are and can we get to them. But another is, has it been written already? And the odds are it has been. I mean, do we think we are brilliant because we got something so great? It's so passionate. Hey, no one, I don't see anyone else doing this. But unfortunately, with a big country with 7 billion people, someone out there has probably done that. Right. So let's, we think of two things. Defining who actually will buy this book. And is it a housewife? Is it a small business owner? Is it inside a business? Is it the salesperson? 
or is it a manager? You know, who is the person? And can we begin to think about how many of those could we reach? We, how many are they first? And how many could we actually reach in a rational, logical way? Then we think, are we restricting ourselves to the USA market or the global market? Our books are in 38 languages, and we sell more books outside of the USA than we do inside the USA, and they're in different languages and, and really promoting different cultures. And so you have to make that decision. Do we want to push it in that direction? So thinking about detailing the market is one. Now, I have a question about the market. Like, say your market is small, but you're using this book as a platform for your consultancy, say. Does that really matter that you're not going to sell a million you know, you're not going to be a best-selling author. You're not going to be John Grisham. But if you sell a hundred and you get consulting uh, gigs with a hundred top firms, that could last you your whole career. Yes. So is that, that would be a success for that individual. It may not be a success for the publisher. Exactly. But it would be a success for the author. Yes. That's a good point. So it comes down to another issue we have to make, and that's our publishing strategy. Do we want to self-publish or do we want to attract the publisher, an existing standing publisher. And so let's talk about that because it gets down to a great point here. If I want to use the book in my business, I'm going to buy a lot of copies myself. There's no need to give it to a traditional publisher. Yeah, traditional publisher. Just publish it yourself. But sometimes there's a stigma, not as much as it used to be, that if it's a self-published book, it's not good enough to be published by a legitimate publisher. That is, there's no standards around it. There's people who will publish your book, and it could be nothing but garbage, and it could still be published, and it could be put in front of people. That's changing. There's a lot of great self-published books out there, and they they turn into bestsellers. And so that, that stigma is going away. But for your first book, if you just say, who published this book? If you put it in front of your client, say, well, I published it myself. Well, then you'd be saying, okay, I, know, I don't know if it's that credible or not. Right. So I, I would like to head people toward a um, traditional publisher, which means that that publisher has invested money, probably somewhere in the range of fifty to $100,000 in publishing your book. And they don't do that unless they see a market um, that for that book. And they see that you will market it and help drive it these days. You have to have a platform to get to this. So it is a dilemma. And we face this a lot with our books. If I'm going to buy a lot of copies, for example, in one of our books, we bought 8,000 copies from the publisher, and we've used almost every one of them now. Now, that book, we didn't support it so well for the publisher, and the publisher is upset with us because we didn't follow through with our marketing platform that we said we would do. Now, he's quite happy that we bought 8,000 copies (laughs) because we paid somewhere between $10 and $12 a copy, and you can see that adds up quite well. We covered his cost and then some, but he's not that happy because we didn't push it to a bestseller. All right, real quick, though, why did you buy 8,000 copies? Well, we use them in our workshops and we're using our promotion, Okay, mostly in our workshops. So we like we do lots of workshops. We have 100 consultants who do work in their workshop. This is the other business we're in, the ROI Institute. Right. And the reason we wanted a, this publisher's name on there, because it's a legitimacy. It's, it's They publish nothing but top-quality books. This is Barry Kohler in, on the West Coast. They publish about 30 titles a year, but they've, they've hit the bestseller list many times. You know by looking at that publisher that this is a good book. It met their standards for them to publish it. So we don't have that credibility issue about this book that I'm giving you as a calling card or I'm using in a workshop or handing out at a keynote speech. So we wanted that legitimacy. 
So this is why we go to the traditional publisher. Now, in a case of like uh, in kind of a niche market, you might be able to partner with a publisher that's also maybe the head of the association, right? They might have a publishing arm as well. Yes. And then that way you can leverage that um, industry's, uh, you know, premier association to publish your book and then to help you in the distribution of it and then cement you as kind of a credible thought leader in that space. Yes. I'd say that's a huge market for your book is your professional societies, professional associations. And whatever we do, wherever we go, there's usually some of those that, that connect with us just to build on the needs of work and coaching. For example, we work with the International Coach Federation. And they approached us and says, we need a book and we want to support a book on showing the value of coaching. But yet we don't want to endorse it. If you can find someone else to publish it, we will support it this way. We will buy a thousand copies from the publisher and we'll give it out to chapter meetings of the association. So we went to the Association for Talent Development. They published the book. International Coach Federation supported it with that 1,000 purchase, which made them quite happy. And then we help them promote the book. And so it's a good seller within that organization. So professional market, the professional association is a huge market. Many of them, if not most of them, have publishing arms, some are quite large. And so that's always a good starting point there for a business or professional book. Mm-hmm. Well, and it was instant credibility from two recognized organizations. So that, or I mean, that would mean a lot to me as a consumer. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So now how do you, um, if you're kind of new to this and never published before, how do you get the publisher's attention? Like, how do you stand out and, you know, get them to say, hey, this is a good idea to partner with this person? Yes. Now that's the difficult issue. And it comes down to a very engaging and compelling uh, proposal. Because they're inundated, right? Oh, they are. Yeah. More, more than ever. Uh, the publishers are slammed with with um, manuscripts or proposals. or And some have a philosophy. If you don't have an agent, we're not going to talk to you. Hmm. Some have a philosophy. We won't select un- unsolicited. Uh, we won't read an unsolicited manuscript. Uh, we have several publishers says, Jack, if you've got someone that you'd recommend, send them to us. Otherwise, we won't read any unsolicited uh-huh. proposal. And that's difficult because right. you can imagine people send those into a publisher. So having a contact helps. Having an entree helps. But beyond that, you have to write a very compelling proposal. And then let's pause one second here. For the nonfiction writers, you don't write the book and then publish it. You write a proposal first, where in fiction, I believe that the opposite is the case, right? Exactly. You write the whole book and then you try to get it published. Yes. So that's an important distinction. Exactly. We've never written a book before we got a contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have, unfortunately, some of our colleagues will write the book and then start looking for a publisher in the professional area. And we'd say, suppose you never get one. That's a lot of work. And say, I'd want I'd want that contract from the publisher saying, right. we will publish this. So now, when you have the proposal, what are some of the uh, the elements of a proposal? Okay, first, uh, you want to quickly describe the book and why it's needed. What market are you generating here? I mean, what market? So you're doing some market research? Yeah. You want I, I, the the more detail you can have here, saying here's who's going to buy the book, and here's how many they are, and how many we can reach. So here's our sales potential for this. That will impress a publisher these days. And then you indicate what's our com- competition. Do a competitor analysis through books and print, uh, through Amazon or something. Find what's been published already. Mm-hmm. So something if something's been published. That doesn't necessarily scare off a a publisher, right? Because then they see there's at least a market for it, and then this could be a unique spin on the same subject matter, and that's valid for having a book, right? Yes. If you take leadership development these days, 
My God, there's so many of those, <laughs> and they keep coming out. So you wonder why, because each person has a different twist. They got some different experiences, and they have a different uh, angle they want to take. So you can ha- you can be unique, but you need to show that in your competitor analysis. If you go to, to those that you think people would buy instead of this book, how is my book different from that? Right. And so you're trying to make the difference. Now, you also have to realize, depending on your professional field, you may be working with a publisher who says, yes, there's been a book published on selling, but we don't have a sales book here. So we might want to have one, even if it looks like this one, because we want it in our portfolio. portfolio. So you don't give up if you got someone already published. If it's just like you were going to do, I'd say buy the copy and enjoy it and don't (laughs) worry about it. And tell your friends this is what you would have read. <laughs> um, but the odds of having uh, you know, the identical one is is very slim. So now you have this proposal, and this, uh, by the way, this is stuff that um, that you guys discussed when you do your boot camp, right? In Isn't detail. that part of it that, that you really get into the weeds in this and really flesh out a person's um, proposal? Yes, we do. And and actually, the the goal at the end of that three days is to hit the send button with a proposal and a and a query letter to go with it. The query letter is a letter that tries to get them to read the proposal. And it's, it just gets there so interested, they're going to look at the proposal. But then the first page of that proposal uh, decides whether they're going to read the rest of it or not. Right. It's kind of links on the chain. Everything, the first part connects to the second part. Yes. And then is that, it, and at your boot camps, you also talk about the role of an agent or how to get an agent? Yes. You know, what, what avenue you want to take? Do you need an agent? Can you get an agent? And a publicist? And how did deal with the copy editor. Sometimes if, if you really are struggling with the writing, you might need a writing coach or you might need a ghost writer and not, might need a collaborator uh, or a developmental editor. See, some some publishers would say, look, you've got great ideas. You just have a struggle getting it in an interesting, engaging way. Uh, we have a developmental editor. We'll charge some a fee here, but they will develop this for you. So we explain all those different roles of people who are involved in it. Right, because it takes a lot of people. It's not just uh, that lonely writer in a room anymore, is it? No, no it's a lot of a lot of people are going to help you for for a little money. They're going to get you there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like this idea that you briefly touched on earlier in the conversation of maybe partnering up with someone who is already published or who has enough credibility with one or more publishers and knows your work and is willing to say, hey, you know, you ought to take a look at Stone's work. I, th- I mean, that's a, that's a viable path, isn't yeah, it? It certainly is. That probably would do more than anything else to get their attention there. Yes. I think that would be key. So what, in your experience, are some of the, the major mistakes or things that new authors just neglect to do when they start going down this path? Well, I've put them in several categories. One is, if you're going to send it to a particular publisher, make sure you look at their requirements. You know, what is it they want? We can show you a typical proposal, all the elements, but look at what they want, because sometimes they want certain things there. For example, one publisher we know wants to write objectives for the book from the reader perspective on four levels. What will be their reaction? What, what will they learn from your book? What will they do when they read the book? What action will they take? And what impact will it have in their work or their lives? See, that's a little unusual, but that particular publisher wants to see, have you gone inside the reader and see how they're going to use this? So they're all different. So you want to look at their guidelines, their requirement. 
and it may be just right there in the Brighter's Market or some other publication there that can tell you this, but if they say, look, we only accept proposals from agents, don't send it then. I mean, we see that mistake. So, well, you know, mine's a little different. They're going to, no. So you got to follow what they want. And second, if you got a contact, as you're suggesting, if someone else, uh, you know, we work with a lot of publishers and we, we have a, if we think we, we see someone with a great idea, we don't mind saying to a publisher we don't work with, oh, you might want to look at this. And out of respect for us, they'll do that. But we got to make sure we don't send them garbage. Yeah. <laughs> so, so in other words, a published author looking at your material is probably one of your best entree to their mm-hmm. publishing network. That c- personal contact is going to be so much there. But apart from that, it's put the effort into writing something so compelling that they just can't put it down. Now, that's hard to do for a lot of people, but you get some help with that. You've got writing coaches that can help you with that. You've got people who work with that proposal. That's their, their work is to help you get that proposal. And, of course, you've got an agent. An agent, if they'll take you on, they're going to get some of your royalty, but that's okay because that might be the difference in you getting a book or not. Don't overlook the role of the agent. The agent is going to be there to get you that. Well, I would think that could save you a lot of heartache and waste of time. They know the publishers that are taking the unsolicited or the solicited, and they too have credibility with, uh, I guess, some agents have credibility with certain publishers. And so if something's coming through that agent, this publisher says, okay, this agent usually sends pretty, pretty good stuff. Yes. So that works. Now, I do want to say this because we've got to get our great uh, speaker here coming up next. Two things that we see with publishers these days that are the deal breakers uh, in terms of them really getting excited about their proposal. One is your marketing platform. If if you don't have a good platform to push it and sell it and promote it, they, they don't care about it because they know you won't push the sales. The platform is your the followers on your social media it's the speaking uh, events that you yeah. go to. It's the ability to conduct workshops or do consulting. It's your ability to, to, to write blogs and be involved in blogs. It's all of those things that you don't want to detail it's in my platform. That's a big decision maker these days because they know that'll turn into sales. The second thing is how many copies will you buy? Now, you don't see this in the fiction, right? but in the nonfiction, I get some you know, we usually buy at least 2,000 copies of our, any of our books that we publish because we use them in our consultants and, and uh, workshops. That makes them so happy. And, and we, we think that's been the difference sometimes in making that decision because huh. we'll buy enough that it covers their cost. Right. And so their financial risk is pretty low. Uh, when if, you, if you're buying enough that's going to cover their publishing costs, they basically have it in their inventory now at no cost to them. So now... Um managing the expectations of a uh, aspiring author what's a, a a good amount of sales is it a thousand five thousand ten thousand well like what's realistic a publisher will have a print run and that print run is probably three to five thousand copies depending on how they feel about the book now they want to get that print run sold they right don't, they don't want to be stuck with some sales that are not there and they'd like to do it in the first year or two so you're looking at an average sales in this category, business and professional together, probably in the three to 5,000 copy. So if you're doing that on an annual basis, you're doing okay? Yes. However, that's a long way from bestseller. Right. It's not that many bestsellers, but with the right kind of book and the right kind of promotion, you can make that bestseller list and it can take you in maybe 50,000 copies uh, to get to the bestseller list. Now, I should mention this, in our, in our conference, we just conducted in 
mm-hmm. in um, July, two of our best-selling authors brought out their numbers, very open as mm-hmm. they are in this conference, and they'd each sell one sold fifty thousand to make the New York Times best-selling list. The other one sold fifty-five thousand copies. So it's not a million seller necessarily that gets you there, although there's million seller books out there, many of them. Usually, if you can get to 50,000 copies, now that's copies to make that particular best-selling list in the New York Times. That's books sold in the bookstores or Amazon. Now, an association, for example, uh, we've had books in an association to sell 100,000 copies. Wow. But it never made a New York Times. That doesn't count in the way they calculate bestseller, right? Right. Or New York Times bestseller. And one of our speakers, maybe I shouldn't say this on air, but one of our speakers at the conference says, if you want to be on the New York Times bestselling list, we can get you on there. It costs $250,000. <laughs> and here's what they do. Should we do this on the air? No, go for Absolutely. It. This is ought to be well, the place where you can go and yeah. get this information. And, and, and she's uh, very good. She says, I've taken several publishers to this level already. There's a company that will take your money and go buy the books. They know they have some insider information in terms of which stores that they're sampling, they sample bookstores for the sales. They send people to those stores to buy the books. They get the number up, and that's what they're reporting is the the, the sales for that week. And then, so you, if you can coordinate it for a given week in certain the correct stores, you're able to kind of be that bestseller. Yeah. Now, there's been a lot of conversation around how bad that is, <laughs> how deceiving that is. But she says, look, I can get you there. The good news is for $250,000, mm-hmm. you do get those books back because <laughs> they don't really want them. <laughs> but I, that's the, I mean, that's the, um, that's where there's a lot of misinformation about. Yeah. And, and the word bestseller, even there's New York Times bestseller, there's Amazon bestseller, there's, there's bestseller within a category. And people throw it around lots of different ways. Yeah. And a bestseller for a particular category, it could be there's only like three books in that category. Right. So, <laughs> so you got to be careful. So, yeah. So we have to be careful with it. It's really a good seller that we're looking at um, that's, that does what you want it to do and what the publisher wants it to do. And it's successful for you and it's successful for the publisher if you're getting a traditional publisher. And, and, the, and the heart of this also is that to look at your book as kind of the hub of your platform yeah. in order to grow your business, exactly. right? And to not just look at it as a book. It's not a commodity. This is kind of could be at the heart of your entire business consultancy. Right, exactly. And there, it's worth it because right. it's a calling card, even if you had to self-publish it yourself. Right, so um, there's value in that yeah. from that regard. You, you just want to make sure you got the credibility, if you can, with, with the traditional publisher first, maybe. I want to make sure we get the website for Business Writers Exchange and um, let everybody know some of the upcoming dates of the workshops and the boot camps and then their your big conference next year in April. Okay. Now, website is businesswritersexchange.com. And that's a, a, a hyphen between business and writers and writers and exchange. Now, we do have a boot camp that we do um, about every month somewhere. We've got two soon, and we have one next week in Blairsville, Georgia. That's in the Appalachian Mountains in North Georgia. Beautiful place to come, relax, and focus on your book and your book proposal. In October, right when the leaves are turning, it's just so beautiful. Got another one there in October the 20th, 20th through the 22nd. So the first one's September 16th, 18th. October the 20th, 22nd. And then we're going to move West Coast for a couple. It's January. It's in Seattle and February in San Diego. Great 
time of the year to be in both of those places. And we bring it back for our conference in Birmingham. And the boot camp will be, it's the 15th through the 17th for the boot camp. And the conference is 17th through the 19th. And our conference, again, it's our second conference. It's an annual conference. We're going to do it every year going forward. It's a, it's a need that hasn't been met previously. It's for business and professional writers. Again, great outstanding speakers. Of the speaker slots are all set. That'll be in, at Ross Bridge uh, Resort and Spa. It's a beautiful, it's the best golf course in uh, Alabama there in Birmingham. So it's a great place to go and get away, work on your book. Pre-conference workshop is the boot camp for three days, and then the conference is the 19th and the 20th. So we'll have more of those um, as we have sessions we can talk about, but we encourage you to go to our website and let us know what you need, What let us know who you want to hear from in this series, and we'll be happy to get them on board. We're so delighted to be here with Business Radio X. Well, and this is going to be such a marvelous platform because we're going to have authors, illustrators, editors, aspiring authors, people who have built businesses around their books in here every week. So we're going to continue to capture this thought leadership and put some real effort and energy into distributing it. And Lord willing, in the creek don't rise, uh, Lee will be broadcasting live from that April conference in, uh, yes. in, in Birmingham. So this is going to continue to be a lot of fun. All right, next up on Business Writers Radio, we have with us the author's midwife from Write Your Life, Miss Anita Henderson, how are you? I am fabulous. Thank you. <laughs> well, it is an absolute delight to have you on the show. Did you learn anything in that last segment? I learned a lot. Jack is awesome. <laughs> He's super knowledgeable about the mainstream publishing world. So it was good. Good to hear him. So can you share a little bit about your work? How are you helping folks? Well, I focus mostly on the independent publishing side of things. So uh, same industry, book publishing. Um, I work with professionals and entrepreneurs, coaches, speakers, uh, consultants who are interested in writing and publishing a high-quality book and using that to leverage their existing platform. So Jack mentioned, you know, kind of using your book as an entree into your business. I typically work with clients who already have a business and want to use uh, book publishing as a marketing strategy for the business that they already have. Did, were, were you an author prior to getting into this side of it? I was, yes. I had published two books prior to starting my consultancy uh, about six years ago. And um, before that, I was in the PR and marketing communication space. So I bring all of that to the table to help authors understand that it's bigger than the book. Now, what was your impetus to writing that first book? I uh, actually was focused on marketing. It was called Take the, Take the Mystery Out of Marketing. Mm -hmm. So it was for um, my target audience of uh, small business owners who needed to understand the difference between marketing and advertising and PR and all of those things that are necessary to uh, build a visibility and a credibility in your business. Um, and then as the wonderful economy shifted... Uh, <laughs> in our recent years to uh, have us experience the economic downturn, we noticed that a lot of companies were cutting their marketing and communications budget. And so we pivoted. We pivoted. The name of our company is The Right Image, and we do uh, book publishing services and author coaching under the brand Write Your Life. And so we shifted, pivoted a bit to focus more on book publishing, more so than straight you know, traditional marketing tactics and found it to be a huge, huge market that more people, more 
business owners, even more uh, career professionals were understanding that uh, a book is the new business card. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then also understanding that it really is bigger than just the book. It's bigger than just book sales. And then uh, did you have a system or do you share a system on how to actually, you know, put pen to paper and write the book? We do have a proprietary process that we coach clients through. Uh, We really do encourage our clients to write their own books. Mm -hmm. We have on staff uh, a ghostwriter and some other uh, writers who can assist in the co-writing. But again, these are, to Jack's point, individuals who have experience, expertise, and a passion for what they do. And they bring that to the table so that they can write their book. They know the 10 points they want to make. They know the case stories and case studies that they have experienced in their time in their business. And so they can put all of those in. And they may need some wordsmithing and some assistance primarily at the front end of the book writing process, which is really the planning part, the outlining. What do you really want to cover in this book? What are you hoping to um, to share with your ideal readers? How are you serving them? And then really, what do you want them to do uh, when they're finished reading your book. And we call that the think, feel, do aspect. What mm-hmm. do you want readers to think, to feel, and to do by the time they finish reading your book? It should be obvious. They shouldn't have to figure it out. It shouldn't be one of those things where they read the book and think it was awesome. They close it, put it on the shelf, and move on. There should be some obvious next step. So what's a sample of a, a typical next step? Well, what we call, that's another part of our process, is we call it seed, lead, and leverage. Meaning that um, for nonfiction authors, um, you want to plant seeds in your book. Again, this is uh, a strategy. It's a marketing strategy used to, to have your book be used as a resource to build your business. Again, these are consultants, these are coaches, these are entrepreneurs or individuals who are on the speaking circuit, and they want something more from just this book. They want this book to do something for them. And so you're planting seeds in your book, which could be something like, um, go to my website to download a cheat sheet, a, a quiz, a survey, our worksheet, some statistics or data, something like that. So you're planting seeds within your book, to lead people to what we believe is your hub, which is your website. It's the way people are going to find out more about the services or the products that you offer, the presentation topics that you speak on, those kinds of things. So they get to the website and ideally they, you know, I think if you do this the right way, you will do a lead capture. So they go to your website, they see that they can download a worksheet, and when they click on the link that is shown in the book, whether it's an ebook or a print book, they go to that website, and um, they're asked to enter, just like any other opt-in, uh, their name and their email address. Now you have some information to go on. You have more of an opportunity to know who's purchased your book. Right, as opposed to if it's on a shelf and somebody buys it. As opposed it, to you who know, bought my book. You know, and, right, <laughs> high five, I sold a book at Barnes Yahoo. & Noble, but who who is that person? Exactly. They then get your cheat sheet or whatever it is that you're offering, and now they have an opportunity. Now they're on your hub. Now they can shop around. What else does Lee offer? Mm-hmm. Let me take a look. Well, wow, he does presentations here, there, and everywhere. He offers this kind of coaching service, whatever it is. So they're learning more about you through this seed, lead, and leverage. So again, you're planting seeds in your book to lead people to your website so you can capture leads and they can learn more about you. And now your book is leveraged for your platform. You know, we have so many speakers, consultants, uh, mid-level and senior-level executives come through the various radio shows that we do. And I can't tell you how many, but it's quite some number. 
that will say, I'm going to write a book or I've half written a book. What do you think is slowing them down? Why, why do they just not pull right, the like they think they... In their head, they agree with you. Intellectually, yeah. like having a book would be a good thing to have. Mm-hmm. It's just that they can't get past themselves and actually complete it or... They you know. can't get past them. So you answer the question. <laughs> Thank you, Lee. I think everything comes down to fear. People are afraid, right? The reason we don't do most anything we don't do that we say we're going to do is because of fear. So that looks like a lot of different things. Um, they're not over the, you know, high school English professor who read marked their paper. But oh, they don't like think they're like good enough ago. to be an author? Is that what you're saying? What's that? They don't think they're good enough to be an actual author? I think that's part of it. They don't understand that it is a marketing strategy. It's not just you're putting your, you know, your life story out there. Um, it, it, like, do you think you're good enough to run an ad? Sure, then why not <laughs> write a book? Um, I think that people are afraid, yes, that they're not a good enough writer, that maybe they're not offering enough in their business that it warrants a book. What about fear of, I'm going to give away all my secrets and they're totally. never going to hire me? I hear that all the time. I'm huh. afraid of my, and I err on the side of, give, tell it, tell it all, give it to them. Because nine times out of 10, if you give people your 12-step program in your book, of the time, they're not going to do it anyway, because if they were going to do it, they would have done it already. So the point is to position yourself as an expert, which is what Jack talked about, your expertise, your experience, your passion. Show people that you're the go-to person for this thing. I've got the system. I've got the 12-step thing. I'm going to write about it here. Go ahead. You've got it for $19.99 in my book. Plus, I'm planting some seeds in there for you to come and see how, if you're not going to do it yourself, which you're probably not, I'll show you how you can work with me, and I can help you do it. Or if you really just want it done, I'll show you how I'll do it for you. Can you share a story, maybe somebody who's done that and said, you know, maybe they were afraid of giving away all the secrets, but then, you know, you talked to them and persuaded them that this is a worthy thing to do. So they do it, and then that 1995 book turned into thousands of dollars worth of consulting or sales? Probably half of my clients feel like they're not worthy, <laughs> right? They want to. It's in them. They've been wanting right. to write this book for X number of years. Um, and then I tell them that it shouldn't have taken X number of years to do that. <laughs> and um, yeah, so we had a client who um, had has written a book. This was back in 2014, Tana Gill Day. She wrote a book called The Graduate's Guide to Money. And so her uh, focus, she's a professional. She's what I call sort of an, she's an entrepreneur, but also uh, a corporate professional. She's a partner in a financial planning firm. And she wanted to um, write a book that would speak to this next generation of wealth managers, so to speak, who were in these families, right? The kids are going to get the money that she's managing for their parents and grandparents. So get them smart now um, as they're finishing college and coming out of college, going into the workforce in the real life. Um, so she wrote her book with the goal of attracting those young people. Um, her firm, and I can't give you numbers in terms of the um, dollar result and even the number of clients, but she's seen quite a result in the number of uh, families that she's able to serve and who have understood that Wealth should be generational, and it should be passed on to the next generation. And and educating that next generation is critical. She has won how many book awards? Probably six. 
uh, since her book has been published. And these are earned. This is earned a visibility and earned, you know, recognition. Uh, she's been on the speaking circuit. She's done numerous book signings. She, you know, has seen success in her own right. Uh, now, granted, to, to Jack's examples, she hasn't sold, you know, 30,000 copies of her book. But that wasn't her goal. And I think what we really need to understand with uh, um, authors is you have to figure out what your goal are, why, what your goal is. Why are you doing this? Right. Is it to sell 30,000, 50,000, 100,000 books? Or is it to grow your business? Or is it to grow your business? Do you want more clients? Do you want more paid speaking gigs? Right. What is it that you ultimately want? Now, when it comes to promoting a book, are those kind of the the ways you go about it? Is it through speaking? Is it through entering awards? How do you go about promoting the book once you have it? I think that um, independent published authors probably do some of the same things that mainstream published authors has to do have to do when it comes to marketing. Um, they've got to be available and they've got to be visible, right? So no matter how you publish your book, you still have to be the marketer of this book. Um, your traditional publisher will do so much um, and then it's up to you to do the rest. You've got to be available for the book signings. You must be able to speak, say something about your book somewhere, whether you are already on the speaking circuit or not. Um, you should be able to use your book uh, in several other ways with your clients as leverage, with prospects as leverage. Again, this is a calling card. This is your big business card. This is you Telling the world whatever your world looks like, whether it is an online community, offline, audiences, whatever, that I know my stuff and I'm the go-to person for this particular topic. So I have a hammer and everything's a nail, but uh, I'm going to ask the question anyway because I think there there may be this approach might could work. Do you think if someone like on your staff who was a good facilitator that could prompt Lee and I with the right questions, do you think we could talk a book? Like, could we could we get the main points out and have them draw it out of us and then write it? Is that have you ever done anything like that? Is that practical? Actually, I have had a client who um, talked out his complete book. Uh, he voice recorded it in a weekend. Right. So this is certainly not a promotion for the write your book in a weekend. <laughs> that's another that's yeah, another business. Uh, when is that boot camp? Don't get me started on that. Um, however, he started with an outline. OK, he knew exactly right. what he wanted to include, the different sections and things like that in his book. And he um, was on the speaking circuit. Uh, and so he had given these presentations before on right. these different topics. So he talked it out. Let's get the outline. And he just got himself a digital recorder and just talked it out based on the sections that he had outlined in his book. Had that transcribed, and that was the foundation for his manuscript. That was not his complete manuscript. Right, you don't just mail that in. Please don't do that. <laughs> um, and then we did some wordsmithing there. We did some right. co-writing and things. And it, it became an award-winning book, as a matter of fact. And he's gotten several paid speaking gigs all across the country in his particular industry. He even actually a couple of years ago was awarded finalist in the Georgia Writers Society, Georgia Writers Association Author uh, of the Year Award, uh, in addition to some others. So that to me, again, is is a great way to get the foundation of your book done for people who yeah. are concerned about, oh, I'm not a good enough writer. I don't put sentences together well. I'm not a great speller. All those excuses. Talk it out. We all can talk. All right. So let's back up a little bit. Our, our producer, Ryan, has a lot of... Uh, expertise, experience, and passion around several subjects. And I'm sure one of them is related to the, his experience as a, as a combat wounded veteran. If he were to engage you 
can you just kind of walk us through what, what does that process look like? Uh, I guess you're going to sit down with him first and ask him a whole handful of questions. I would yeah? ask him a ton of questions. We actually have an author intake assessment that we provide to our authors to ask them specific questions about really why are you writing this book? Some of, some of the mental things, the mindset stuff is the most important because if you don't have a big enough why for why you're doing this, the end product either won't happen because you won't finish. You're going to get that half book we keep hearing so, from so many people. <laughs> you're going to get a booklet. <laughs> or you won't, you know, you won't finish it yeah. at all or it won't be the quality that you're looking for. So we talk about things like, why are you writing this book? What does success look like for you? Let's talk about some measures of success. Is it the number of books sold or is it your speaking fee increasing by X percent over X number of years? Well, that's is a it, good point. Does it, it, do you find that speakers who have one or more books command higher fees in general? I absolutely do. You do? Okay. Yes. I mean, and it I makes bet, sense to and me. And if you were to ask any speaker who didn't have a book before, and they do now, I bet you they would tell you that they command that? Okay. higher speaking fees. All right. I'm sorry I interrupted you, but I just... And yeah. if they don't command higher speaking fees, they absolutely should. Would you agree with me, Jack? Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's one reason to do this. Absolutely. So we talk about some of those things. Your why. We talk about what your uh, readers should uh, get out of the book. I mentioned the think, feel, do. What should they think, feel, or do? Uh, when they finish reading your book. We also, I mentioned, talk about some of the measurable things. Again, we were talking about number of books sold, your fees increasing as a speaker, um, the number of clients you've received, those kinds of things, your ideal clients, of course, that's really important. We get into, you know, again, what do you really want to do with this? Are you trying to grow your income through uh, book sales? Or are you trying to grow your income through client uh, dollars? Are you looking to really attract readers? Is it just readers that you want or do you want something bigger? Are you looking for advocates, people who now know more about you because you have established your credibility and visibility? Are you looking for fans, followers, contact, you know, whatever? So we talk about some of those things. That's really important to lay the groundwork and the foundation of that before you even start to write your book. And then we get into some things, Ryan, we would talk about, you know, what are some of those experiences that you've had and um, how you're going to be using this book to serve people. It sounds totally boring because it's not the writing. People get so excited about writing a book, they just want to jump in there and start writing. And that's how we end up with crappy books. I must just say that. <laughs> People don't take the time to think through the process. It's just like anything else. It's like building a business. It is like starting out on any other journey. You absolutely need to have a plan. But if Ryan came to you and you had that conversation, and then um, you're also good, you're going to ask him marketing platform questions. And he were to, if he were to tell you, look, I host several business radio shows. I'm in and around. Having a platform, or if he were to tell you, you know, I speak once or twice a month. That's all. That's stuff you can work with and, and use to help him. That's stuff I can work with. I've had people come to me and say, well, I don't really have a platform. I just want to write a book. And I think that I could teach people how to whatever. So my question then is, well, so what will you do with this book? Like, how will you know it has succeeded? And how are you going to get people to buy it? And who are you to be writing this book anyway? Because your readers will be asking themselves that question. Who are you to be writing this book? So just because you had a life-changing experience does not mean that you should be writing a book about that. If you are not also a counselor or someone who's in that area, you know, getting the book out in and of itself, in my opinion, is really not enough. You should be 
expecting something more, and you you should know that your readers are expecting something more. So just be, and I tell people too, when they're going through tough situations, or maybe you just finished, you know, experiencing something, uh, may not be the best time for you to write something emotional, especially a memoir, things like that. So let's say you just, you know, um, had an experience with an illness, and you got through this illness. And people want to write about, you know, survival and that kind of thing. Well, if you're still emotionally attached to that experience, you probably need to wait until you've healed from that. And I say to people, if you just have a strong desire to write, then maybe you should journal. Journal for yourself. Get those feelings out. Find out what you've learned about this experience. And then if you still feel like you have enough to write a book to serve other people, then you can write the book. Okay, but that does touch on something. There is something cathartic and distinctly valuable about committing your ideas to paper. It, it does help a consultant, a practitioner, a, a speaker crystallize their thinking around their content. If no one, if it never saw the light of day, there is some value in that. It may may not be enough value to engage you and try to go to the marketplace, but but don't you find it, you've done enough writing, doesn't it crystallize I, your thinking? Writing in and of itself is amazing. And yeah. so I cringe when they say that um, cursive writing is going away because I know most <laughs> of us write in cursive, but writing things down yourself with your own hand, pen to paper is really important. Yes, absolutely. Even if you're the you know typewritten kind of person, that's fine. So yes, getting it out is wonderful, but the purpose of writing a book is to serve other people. Why are you doing a book and getting it out there if you don't hope to impact people in some way. If that's not a concern for you, journal. There you go. I like that set of advice. Now, I've gotten you two clients. Lee and Ryan are going to talk their book with you. They're all fired up, but it, on a day-to-day oh, basis. Oh, now it's a collaborative book because now Lee is <laughs> exactly. in there with Ryan. Well, Lee's going to prompt him with the questions, maybe. He lets okay. somebody on your team does it. But day-to-day, how does the whole sales and marketing thing work for you? Is your phone just ringing or do you have to go out there and and market what you've been describing to us this whole time? Everybody has to market. We're all in marketing. You're in marketing. Jack's in marketing. We're all in marketing. So, yes, I do market my business. Mostly um, because of what I do is very personal. Being known as the author's midwife can, you know, you can imagine that um, I... I get personal with my clients. Um, I am not a uh, a psychologist, and I don't play one on TV or on the radio. But we talk about a lot of things that can be personal. And so um, having potential clients know me well is important. Uh, so a lot of my marketing is through networking and uh, building of advocates. I have some phenomenal people who understand that I'm good at what I do and that we produce very, very high-quality books um, and and really do encourage authors to go independent publishing. And I use the word independent publishing as opposed to self-publishing because when people think about self-publishing, they think you've got to do it all yourself. And I am highly opposed, as Jack is over there shaking his head, (laughs) I'm opposed to that. I don't think you should be doing it all yourself. You should not be writing the book uh, editing the book, which to me is is a joke, an oxymoron. Um, you oh, should you not... can't edit your own writing, right? I mean, I'm glad you know well, that. Well, no, it stuff. says exactly what you meant it to say when you read okay, it, right? You get it, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> you shouldn't be, unless you have some graphic design experience, you shouldn't be designing your own <laughs> book cover. You shouldn't be laying out your own book. You shouldn't, you know, there's a lots of things you shouldn't do yourself and you don't have to. And so that's a misnomer of the tag self-publishing, which is why I refer to it as 
independent publishing. And so I think you reach out to publishing services companies like myself, and there are others who really do have a concern for the finished product as much as you do. My clients' books are as much a reflection on me as they are on them. And so it matters a lot to me that the end product is high quality. Can you share a little bit about the pricing? Because like you mentioned, you can do this all yourself, right? You can go and write the thing. You can edit the thing. You can go to Amazon and get it online in the ebook form. Can you share some of the ranges? Like what would, if I was doing it bare bones all by myself, what does that cost? Is that $500, $1,000? It costs your reputation if right. you're doing it all by yourself. From a, from a <laughs> dollars expensive. and cents standpoint, is it hundreds or is it thousands of dollars to There's do it? There's a huge, huge, huge range in pricing. And I, I hesitate to even say anything, but you can go online. Any potential author, aspiring author can go online and find publishing services or they consider themselves publishers who will offer packages of publishing services. So, and they include a variety of things. Some of the things I mentioned in terms of copy editing, which oftentimes is actually sold separately, uh, editing your your manuscript. Uh, they will include, you know, your cover design, your interior layout, you know, a proof copy that you can review. Those services might also include some marketing support or marketing outreach that is probably also sold separately. Um, It will probably include some printing of your book. And, you know, that depends on how many copies you want. Wow. The range is broad. Again, if you want to do it all by yourself and really want to look at self-publishing, I suppose it could be zero, although you need to upload your book, whatever. I wouldn't recommend that to anybody. I would highly recommend you use a service or some other expertise, whether it is subcontractors or whatever. I would say a bare bones minimum to produce a decent quality book. I would say people need to at least, at least uh, plan to invest $4,000. And to me, that's bottom of the barrel. I really, and so what that would include is, again, your book cover design. And that depends on how intricate and the type of book that you want to produce, hardcover, softcover, that kind of thing. If you want to also do ebook layout, which is not, please people understand that your layout is not your Word document that you send to whomever and they just, you know, paginate it. It includes some minor copy editing, just review, proofing. Uh, so those are the, that's the bare bones, I think. And it can go, you know, higher, exponentially higher than that. So, but I think you need to plan to invest some money. If, if it's not important enough for you to invest a couple thousand dollars, then you might not want to do that right now. You might want to find some other marketing strategy for your business. So this segment was chock full of information for me, but the pearl that I'm pulling out of it uh, for the moment is this idea of seeding in the book mm-hmm. and bringing the reader to continue to engage with you further and further, bring them closer and closer into your circle. I, I'm going to find some ways to, to apply that in our work, I think. Where can our listeners go to learn more, have a conversation with you or someone on your team about this? If you're interested in working with Write Your Life, you can just go to writeyourlife.net, writeyourlife.net, and you can find information about all the types of services that we offer, some of the clients that we've worked with as well. You can also schedule an appointment to speak with us, writeyourlife.net. Well, thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us. I think it would be very valuable to have you come back sometime with one or more of your author clients. I would love I th- to. Do you think that might make an interesting segment, guys? Right, and then share about how you guys work together and how they came up with it and how you helped them get it out to market. Will do. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll make that happen. 
Until next time, this is Stone Payton for Lee Cantor, our fearless producer, Ryan Redhawk McPherson, our guests this afternoon, Dr. Jack Phillips and Miss Anita Henderson, and everyone here at the Business Radio X family, saying we'll see you next time on Business Writers Radio. Yeah.